All right, welcome back to episode three of the podcast that still needs a better name. So if you have a better name for me, please uh, don't be afraid to shoot me a message and give me a better name for it. So if you didn't check out episode one, please do that because episode three today is going to be a continuation of that. So episode one, we talked about the 2020 NFL draft class, wide receiver class this year. Uh, We're a little over a week away from the NFL draft, finally one of the best times of the year. It gives us something to look forward to, even though it's going to be a little different this year with the coronavirus. If you didn't check out episode two, please do that as well with Caden Zacharias and Trey Skillis. They took a lot of time out of their days to come on and be guests and talk about their top five favorite games of all time in the MLB. Uh, That was a great one. That was a good time. We had a great time, so please listen to that. Um, It would be greatly appreciated if you went on uh, Apple Podcasts, gave a five-star rating, and leave some feedback, leave some good reviews for me, and help out get this podcast rolling. Uh, Please share it. Let's get the word out. So today, episode three, we're going to talk about the 2020 NFL Draft running back class. I'm going to go over my top ten rankings for the draft uh, for the running backs, give you some extra guys outside of the top ten that could be pretty good, that should be on teams' radars. And we're just going to talk running backs today. So thanks for listening and enjoy. If you see somebody out there that doesn't have Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin ranked number one in this year's class, then I think that person is crazy and I think there's something wrong because Jonathan Taylor has a lights-out profile. And I'm going to tell you today why I think he should be number one in the class and why he should honestly be taken in the first round of the NFL draft or early second. So at 226 pounds at the Combine, he ran a 4.39, which is insane. That's like Saquon Barkley-level athleticism. Uh, Pretty much the same 40 time, might be off by like a hundredth of a second, and he only weighed a couple less pounds. So he has Barkley-level athleticism, and his rushing numbers and just his stats in college are absolutely off the charts, what he was able to do at Wisconsin. He's the number six all-time rusher in college football history, the five, the five guys in front of him that had more rushing yards in college history than he did all played four seasons in college, and Taylor only played three years. So he's the number six all-time rusher and played one full last season than both of those guys because he's coming out as a junior. He's the first rusher in FBS history to reach 6,000 rushing yards in only three seasons, He's a two-time Doak Walker Award winner, awarded to the best running back in college football. He's a two-time first-team All-American, and he had around 2,000 rushing yards each season to get him to that 6,000 mark, or over that 6,000 mark. He had uh, just under 2,000 in his freshman year. Absolutely ridiculous production for an 18-, 19-year-old freshman in college. Uh, Just crazy to produce like that. He has the size adjusted at Size-adjusted athleticism, he has the stats, he has, he has pretty much everything. The only thing holding him back uh, that scouts are saying why he's not going to go as high as I think he should, that the scouts think he's going to go like second, third round maybe, and I think that's crazy, but they're saying he has durability issues or uh, that he, he has too much tread on the tires because he had 300-plus touches all three years of college. They say he has too much tread on the tires, and they say he's not very good at catching because he really doesn't have the the counting catching stats to back it up. Uh, I'm here to say that I think that's crazy. 
He should be a first-round pick. Even having 300-plus touches all three years of college, he never had an injury. He started every game in college, never missed a game. 300-plus touches every season, never missed a game. Uh, that's that's crazy. He's he's able to handle a huge workload. He's able to, to handle 300-plus touches. He's shown he can do it three-plus years in a row without getting injured. So I think it's crazy to say that he has too much tread on the tires. Otherwise, we would have seen injury problems or injury concerns, and we didn't see any of that. So I don't know why scouts are saying that he's going to have durability issues or too much tread on the tires because he hasn't been hurt yet. So that's just a bogus statement, and you shouldn't listen to that from NFL scouts. The other thing is that they say he's not very good at catching. He didn't really have good catching stats his first two years. And then everyone came out and said this year that he needs to work on it. So what did he do? He came out and caught more than 20 passes. I think it was 21 passes this year. Came out, caught 21 balls. That's fine. Anything over like 20 catches in a college season shows you have a good ability to catch the ball. Um, At the combine, he showed good hands, good ability to catch the football. So all he needs to do is have draft capital and get drafted pretty high to be a stud. He showed he can catch. He has amazing counting stats from college. He's one of the best rushers in the history of college football. Great size-adjusted athleticism, and he's never been injured despite the huge workload. I think he's a slam-dunk prospect. And a fun fact here, so Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin. Melvin Gordon was a top 15 pick in the NFL draft, and Jonathan Taylor is bigger, faster, had 1,100 more rushing yards, only three less catches, and five more touchdowns than Melvin Gordon did in his career at Wisconsin. And Melvin Gordon was a top 15 pick, so I, I see no reason why Jonathan Taylor is being projected to go second or third round. It's it's crazy to me. He should be a first-round pick. He's a three-down workhorse. He just needs the targets to show he can catch, and he hasn't been injured, so the durability concerns are, are just ridiculous. He's big, he's fast, he can catch, he can run, he has the stats, and I don't see why he's he's getting overlooked. At number two in my rankings, I have DeAndre Swift from Georgia, and the reason I have Swift number two is because I don't think we've seen the best football from Swift yet. I don't think at Georgia his potential or his ceiling was realized, and I think he's got a lot to offer to the NFL, and we haven't seen the, the best of him yet. And the reason I think that is because if you look at Georgia over the last few years, Georgia really doesn't love to give all the touches to one running back. They like to split it up. Uh, Georgia's highly considered as running back you. Uh, They like to switch guys in, keep guys fresh. They don't like to run anybody into the ground. So with that being said, I don't think we've really seen fully what Swift can do. But what we did see from Swift was more than enough to know that he's going to be good in the NFL no matter where he ends up. So the reason I think Swift is going to be so good uh, based on his profile and why I have him second is because as a freshman, he played behind Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, both high draft picks in the NFL draft. Uh, end, of the, end of the first round for Sony, first pick in the second round for Chubb. And he had 600 yards, Swift did. Swift had 600 rushing yards and caught 17 passes as a freshman behind Sony and Chubb. So to produce those numbers behind two solid NFL caliber running backs at Georgia is crazy impressive. 
to earn those touches and to do something with them is awesome. That's great to see freshman production, 18, 19 years old, doing big things with the touches that he did get. As a sophomore, like I said earlier, Georgia kind of likes to share their backfield, so he kind of had to split touches with Elijah Holyfield. And Elijah Holyfield was an NFL prospect. He was going to get drafted. Uh, He was highly regarded until he ran an extremely slow 40 time at the Combine. But uh, before the Combine, he was a highly regarded NFL prospect. So they split touches in the backfield. Swift still had over 1,000 rushing yards and had 32 catches as a sophomore. And that's not even on 200 touches. So if he had over 200 touches or like Jonathan Taylor's 300-plus, who knows what Swift could do if he had that many touches. Um, This season, he had 1,200 yards and 24 catches. So we really haven't seen the ceiling, just all solid numbers, all three years. But no, we haven't seen a ceiling. We don't know what he can do if he gets a ton of touches. And the most impressive part about Swift is that everything he's done is in the SEC, the best conference in college football. He's over 210 pounds, so good size. He ran a 4.48 40-yard dash, so good speed. Under a 4.5 is great for a running back. Good size, good speed. Uh, the stats that he does have are great. Two highly productive seasons. Really good production as a freshman with limited touches behind Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. And I really think if he does get the touches at the next level, if he sees the targets, gets the touches, gets the snaps, um, he could be absolutely unbelievable in the league. And we really haven't seen the best of DeAndre Swift yet. Number three in the rankings, J.K. Dobbins, Ohio State. And the reason why I have him third and not second is that he had no athletic testing numbers from the Combine. He obviously appears to be fast. He appears to be electric. But if you don't test at the Combine, that means something's up. I didn't hear anything about an injury. So because we don't have any concrete numbers for him, he's third instead of second. If he went to the Combine and blazed, he'd be second, uh, pushing for first. But we don't have his testing numbers. So he's going to sit at third for now. Uh, obviously, if you watched any college football the last couple of years, you saw big things from Dobbins. Uh, electric player, dynamic player, makes big plays. As a freshman at Ohio State in the Big Ten, he had 1,400 rushing yards, 7.2 yards per carry, unbelievable numbers, um, dynamic, game-changing speed. Even though we didn't see it on a, on a clock, he appears to have great speed. Uh, 2,000 yards this season as a junior. He's had 20-plus catches every season um, against Clemson this year, 18 carries, 174 yards. Against Michigan, 31 carries, 211 yards. Against Penn State, 36 carries, 157 yards. And this year he had eight games over 150 rushing yards. Absolutely crazy numbers. Um, I think he weighed in about 210. Maybe a little less. He's a little on the smaller side, but even though he's on the smaller side, we see these games with 30 carries, 31 carries, 36 carries, and 20-plus catches in every season. So we we know he can handle a big workload. We've seen it. He's handled a workload all three years of college at Ohio State. Great numbers. He can catch. He can run. Uh, we're just missing those athletic testing numbers. 
Otherwise, he'd probably be number two. But Swift is great, too. I love Swift. This is a stacked running back class. So one, two, three, there's not too much uh, too much difference. They're all really good. They're all great, all three of them. Uh, Dobbins is just third because we don't have any combine numbers for him. Um, I think Dobbins has a great chance to be a spectacular NFL talent as well. He can handle a workload. We've seen it. Unbelievable yards per carry, unbelievable stats he can catch. And big things are coming from him, too. We maybe have not seen the best of Dobbins yet either, depending on where he ends up. Hopefully he ends up somewhere where he can kind of run free uh, with a good offensive line and let him use the speed that he appears to have to rip off big carries over and over and over again in the league. So Dobbins, number three, Ohio State. Number four, we have Cam Akers from Florida State. Over 215 pounds, check that box, good size. Ran a 4-4-7-40, good speed, check that box. You're going to hear me talk on this podcast, as you already have, about size and speed. Um, if you're over 210 pounds uh, and you run under a 4-5, that's a good indicator of NFL workhorse ability if you have that size-adjusted athleticism. Obviously, there's outliers and there's leeway. Uh, there's no perfect model to predict or there's no perfect stats or metrics that can predict a running back success. But if you can be over 210 pounds, run like a 4-5, or five, those are two really good numbers to have, two good boxes to check. So Akers, checking those two boxes, as a freshman, had 1,000 rushing yards. This year had 1,100 yards and 30 catches. Uh, we saw him have two two pretty good seasons. And we know he can catch. We know he can run. Uh, He checked the size box. He checks the speed box. So I'm going to blow your mind a little bit with the stats on why Akers um, was honestly held back even with two good seasons. His sophomore year wasn't as great. He didn't have over 1,000 rushing yards. But uh, here's why. So in a January article from Pro Football Focus, they had, FSU, Florida State Seminoles, as 129 ranked out of 130 offensive lines going into 2020. Now, Akers is going to be gone, but that shows you what Florida State has for an offensive line, that they're going to be the second worst in the country for next year, ranked by Pro Football Focus. Football Outsiders had Florida State offensive line as 115th ranked out of 130 in 2019. So we saw Akers have two really good seasons. He can catch. He has the speed and size, all with terrible offensive line play, terrible blocking. He has uh, His offensive line was really bad, as I just pointed out from PFF and Football Outsiders, to just prove that he had a really tough time breaking loose in college because his offensive line was so bad. But he showed enough, he showed a lot uh, with those circumstances to show us optimism for his NFL future, and that's why he's ranked number four. I think he could be really good too. Uh, For him, it depends on where he ends up. Um, If he does get an offensive line, um, we haven't really, honestly, as I said with Dobbins and Swift, I don't think we've seen the best of Akers yet either. To have one of the worst offensive offensive lines in the country and still have two really big seasons and be able to catch, 
he he really has a chance to be solid too if he can get some blocking at the next level. Um, as long as he ends up somewhere that has a decent offensive line, decent play caller, uh, he could be even better in the NFL than he was in college as well. Number five in my rankings for the 2020 class is not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, you're going to have to keep listening to find out why I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ranked low and not in my top five. But at number five, we have Keyshawn Vaughn from Illinois and then to Vanderbilt after that. So his first two years, he went to Illinois. His freshman year, 700 rushing yards, 16 catches. That's good. That's a great freshman year. Those are good stats, good numbers as a freshman. Um, Like I've been saying, uh, like I said with Taylor, and even with Dobbins and Swift too, actually, the better you do at a younger age is a better indicator of success. Because if you can put up stats at 18, 19 years old as a freshman, then that means you are a really good talent and you're probably pretty good at the sport if you can produce at such a young age. So after that freshman season, and then he had decent sophomore year too, around the same numbers, but not as good. I'm not sure why his sophomore year was poor. Um, I haven't looked into that as much. But after his two years at Illinois, he actually transferred to Vanderbilt and was better at Vanderbilt. And don't forget, Vandy's in the SEC. So he transferred to the SEC and put up great stats in the SEC. I'm not sure why he did better at Vandy than he did at Illinois, maybe because junior, senior year, you get bigger, stronger, faster, you'll learn the game better, Um, probably better coaching, but who knows. But the most important part is that he did go to Vanderbilt, and he did have two big years there. So as a junior, he had 1,200 rushing yards. As a senior, he had 1,000 rushing yards, and as a senior, he had 28 catches. That's a ton of catches in a season, ton of grabs, two good rushing seasons in the SEC, has this year with a lot of catches on his resume, 214 pounds, pretty good size, 4'5", 140, solid speed, can't complain with either of those stats. Um, he checks the boxes, uh, did it in the SEC. Um, he has two years of production, and that's why I'm high on him at number five. He's not off the charts. He's not crazy. He's not um, anything truly special. I don't think it's it's not right for me to say that about any prospect because I'm not an NFL caliber running back. But just on paper, he, he checks all the boxes. Um, good size, uh, solid speed, not bad, not great. Good counting stats, two solid seasons in the SEC. And anybody that does their numbers in the SEC gets a little bit of a bonus because it's the best conference in college football. All right, before I give everybody number six, I just want to say that this is this is an objective podcast. It is not subjective. Uh, I'm not ranking players just because they're my favorite or I like them. Uh, I'm giving you an objective look, a zoom out, uh, based on all the facts, who I think the best running backs in the class are. With that being said, number six, uh, Joshua Kelly from UCLA has to be one of my favorites in this class. Um, He's a transfer to UCLA from UC Davis. At UC Davis, FCS school, his coaching staff got fired, so he left to go do bigger things. In uh, 2017 at UCLA, he had to sit out due to transfer rules. And then as a redshirt junior in 2018, uh, he worked his ass off 
and he earned himself a scholarship, and he earned the starting role as a walk-on at UCLA. Uh, Once he earned the starting job, he had 600-yard games his redshirt junior year, had 40 carries for 289 yards and two touchdowns against USC in 2018. As a junior, he had 1,200 rushing yards. Senior year, 1,000 rushing yards, and each year he had 12 touchdowns. In his two years as the starter at UCLA, he had almost 40 catches. I think it was like 38, 39, almost 40 catches to show that he can catch the ball. At the combine, 4-4-9-40, sub-4-5, uh, right at 4-5, good speed, solid speed. Sub-7-second, three-cone drill. For anyone that's not familiar with three-cone times, uh, seven seconds in the three-cone is like average agility, and he was below that. Uh, he came in at 212 pounds, a little small but solid size, and he put up 23 reps on the bench, which is fantastic, so he shows good strength too. Um, he was an invite to the Senior Bowl. He had a great Senior Bowl week from everything I've seen on social media, and then in the Senior Bowl game had 15 carries for 105 yards. Um, usually guys that do well in the Senior Bowl, it's a pretty good indicator of success and talent because when you're doing it against the best seniors in the country, um, it means you're probably pretty good at football if you're doing it against the best. And it's only seniors, but still it's the best seniors in the country. So to do that in that game is really impressive. Uh, the thing I like most about Kelly uh, is kind of intangible. He He really worked his way to where he is now. Uh, like I said earlier, transferred from an FCS school, uh, worked his way onto the team at UCLA, made it as a walk-on, earned a scholarship, earned the starting role, and then had two years as the starter, and all he did was produce produce at UCLA and had two really solid seasons on a pretty poor UCLA team in the last few seasons. Um, he He's good. He's solid. Um, he's, he's, he kind of, uh, I don't know how to word it. He, he checks every box, but he's not amazing in every area. He's above average in every single area of the game. He's well-rounded, uh, solid size, solid speed, uh, solid stats. Uh, he can catch, he can do pretty much everything. He just doesn't do anything at an amazing level. And the reason I have him sixth is because, he can do everything. He checks every single box as a player. He checks every box as a running back. He just doesn't uh, jump off the page in any one area. So he's really well-rounded. He does everything above average. And that's why I project him to possibly, he probably won't be a starter for a couple of years in the NFL. But uh, if he can be the backup somewhere and then earn the starting role like he did at UCLA, I think he could be pretty solid. Um, he's not going to be insane he's not going to do anything crazy in the league but he can do everything so he can be a valuable asset to any team in the NFL. Clyde Edwards Hilaire LSU at number seven finally Edwards Hilaire gets checked off the list and here is why I'm not really high on him at all and why I I really don't love him that much as a prospect translating to the next level. So first off he ran a 4.6, which is so slow. If you're running a 4.6 at only 207 pounds, so he's light and slow. So if you're in the NFL 
and you're small and you can't run fast, you have a high risk of injury. You don't have a high risk of evading tackles unless you have insane juke moves, which he could. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I'm not here to hate on any player, but it's a it's a bad indicator when you're small and slow. And he, he's pretty short, too, at 5'7". So those three things are not in his favor at all. Being slow and small isn't a good combination to have. Uh, next, he had no freshman production at all. Um, I spoke earlier, DeAndre Swift had production as a freshman, even with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb in the backfield. I know Edward Tolaire had to share a backfield with uh, Darius Geis and Darrell Williams, who are both in the NFL right now, but he didn't even get 10 carries as a freshman, Hilaire, Hilaire, however you want to say it. I'm not sure what the correct pronunciation is exactly. I think it's Hilaire, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But uh, no freshman production. His sophomore year came back, had very little production again, only 600 yards and 11 catches. So DeAndre Swift at Georgia in the SEC had better stats than Edwards Hilaire did his sophomore year. And and Swift was playing behind Chubb and Michelle. So no freshman year production, no sophomore year production, small, slow. And in 2019, we saw the entire LSU offense break out, not just Hilaire. We saw Justin Jefferson go off. We saw Jamar Chase go off. And Joe Burrow went off. The whole offense went off. And they're all going to get drafted high this year as well. And when the whole offense breaks out like that at the same time, because if you look back in 2018, Joe Burrow really didn't have mind-blowing stats in 2018. And nobody really in the LSU offense really had any crazy mind-blowing stats like they did this year. So in 2019, they just lit it up and probably were the best offense in the history of college football. And for Hilaire, if you break out with the entire offense at the same time, that means you're extremely dependent on a good system. If you can't do it on your own and your best season has to come when everybody on your roster has their best season, that means you're dependent. He, he hasn't shown his whole career that he can do it on his own, but he did show it in a season where everybody else around him was playing phenomenal. So to me, that's a red flag. That shows he's dependent on the system where he lands. Can he go somewhere in the NFL and land in a good system and and be really good? Sure, he can. But for the pre-draft rankings, I have him low because he's dependent. He's going to be dependent on where he lands. If he ends up in a spot where he can be a starter, sure. But uh, I don't know if he can be a three-down workhorse back in the NFL, being small and slow. The the good things I will say about Hilaire, though, is that he had over 50 catches this year. And now in today's game, it's a passing game in the NFL. And if you can catch the ball and you can catch the ball and run after the catch, uh, you you will always have a job in the NFL in today's game. So he caught over 50 passes this year, uh, like I said, in that LSU offense. So no matter where he ends up, he can carve out a role for himself uh, because he's so good at catching, receiving out of the backfield is an extremely valuable skill to any team. So in that regard, he has uh, that going for him. Uh, all in all, 
he has the the, recep- the receptions going for him, so he can be a solid third down back. And it remains to be seen whether he can handle a huge workload in the NFL uh, based on his stature, his size, and he's not very fast. So because he's not fast and he's short and small, had no freshman production and little sophomore production, I'm really not high on him at all. Everything that I've seen from him points to him being dependent on the LSU offense and depending on the system. Because if you can't do it on your own your first two years, but you can do it when the whole offense can do it, uh, that's kind of a red flag that shows dependency. But he has the uh, receiving ability out of the backfield, so he can be valuable to any team. Moving on to number eight, we have A.J. Dillon from Boston College. And just a PSA, just a heads up, as we head into 8, 9, 10 in the rankings, this class is extremely deep. So having these guys towards the bottom isn't necessarily a death sentence that they're low. It's just uh, they have to get pushed down because of this class. So A.J. Dillon, Boston College, uh, 4.53 at 247 pounds is absolutely remarkable. Uh, that's crazy. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. That's pretty. That's fast for being that big. So that's like... This is going to sound crazy to say, but that's like almost Derrick Henry-level athleticism. Not quite, but it's Derrick Henry-like. Someone that big that can move that fast is going to be so hard to tackle. Um, that's, I, I guess that's kind of his ceiling as a player. He's not going to get there. He, he's less than that. But in terms of size and speed, he's Derrick Henry-like. I'm not going to say he's the next Derrick Henry or compare the two because I don't think he's that but uh, he can definitely be like that a a really tough guy to bring down in the open field once he gets going if he ends up somewhere well if you look at Derrick Henry he really didn't break out until this year when they got a really good offensive line Derrick Henry's phenomenal once he gets a once he gets a lane and I think A.J. Dillon might be the same way, where if he ends up somewhere where he can get some open lanes, he can really take off in the open field and break some tackles. Uh, he had amazing counting stats at Boston College in the ACC. Pretty good conference. 1,600 rushing yards, 1,100 rushing yards, and 1,600 rushing yards again in his three, se- uh, his three seasons at Boston College. Um, his receiving numbers were pretty poor. He really doesn't have, uh, or he really didn't show any catching ability. I'm not going to say that he doesn't have it. But he didn't show it in his three years at Boston College. Uh, so it really depends where Dylan ends up. Uh, if he goes somewhere and he works with somebody and learns uh, how to be a receiver out of the backfield, he could be a pretty scary player. Uh, someone that big, that fast, being able to catch and run as well, he could be a scary player. So wherever he goes, um, he'll, he's probably going to have a job as an early down back or a goal line back because he's so big. But uh, if he can expand his game and start catching and being a three down back, he, he could be really good, and he could be nasty in the NFL. Uh, I, I think so. I'm not going to say whether I think he will or not, but I definitely think if uh, he figures it out in the receiving game a little bit and ends up in the right spot, in the right situation with a good offensive line, he could explode. My ninth-ranked back in the class, Zach Moss from Utah. 
Zach Moss has really, really good stats that indicate a lot of good things. And it it pains me to rank him so low because his stats are so good. But he's so slow. 4-6-5 is so slow. And it hurts me to see that he's that he's that slow of a runner. Not to mention that he skipped the agility testing at the combine. And it's a huge red flag when you skip drills because that means you probably aren't good in that drill. Slow 40, skip the agility test. Uh, I hate to see it. I wish he was faster. So for that reason, I'm not really a big fan. I am very low on Moss because of that. But other than that, he had three seasons over a thousand yard thousand uh, yards rushing. Had double digit touchdowns every year. This year he had fourteen hundred yards, and he's had two seasons with twenty eight and then twenty nine catches. That's two seasons, not two of twenty eight and two of twenty nine. He just has one twenty eight yard or one twenty eight catch season and one twenty nine catch season. So he he has the the stats. Um, I think he earned conference Pac twelve. Uh, running back of the year award over Joshua Kelly this year. But uh, Kelly just gets ranked higher because he's so much more athletic. So um, I'm sure what teams have told Moss is that he needs to work on it. But uh, he's a big body. Um, I think he weighed in close to 230 at the combine and ran pretty slow. So uh, I'm not really high on him. Maybe if he trims down and gets faster, he can be valuable in the league. But right now, I'm not sure what he offers in the league other than a big body who can uh, maul people. Last but not least, at number 10, we have Eno Benjamin from Arizona State. Um, Originally, I didn't have Eno Benjamin in my top 10 when I made this list. But the deeper I dug and the more research that I did, it was hard to leave him out of the top 10. He checks a lot of boxes, um, and he's polarizing for a reason that I will get into in a few minutes here. So starting out, uh, going over his profile, he went to the Senior Bowl. Um, he skipped his senior year, and he's coming out as a junior in the draft, so I'm not sure how he was able to go to the Senior Bowl, but that's not really important. What's important is what he did there, or his weight there. Um, his weight at the Senior Bowl was under 200 pounds, really small, but they said he was really fast there. And then he went to the NFL Combine, weighed 207, and was a little slower at 457. So Eno Benjamin is kind of teetering in the middle. Um, I'm not sure what his plan is, and I'm not sure what NFL teams' plans are for him or what they want him to do. He's teetering in the middle. Should he bulk up and possibly lose speed, or should he slim down and try and get faster? So it, it's it remains to be seen what he's going to do or what his plan is, and I think that's why he's kind of polarizing as a prospect because he showed the ability in college to be a three-down back. He had 1,600 rushing yards as a sophomore with 35 catches, uh, absolutely remarkable. This year as a junior. 1,000 rushing yards, 42 catches. 
Uh, one of the red flags he had this year as a junior was that he had an extremely low yards per carry of 4.3. Um, in the grand scheme of things of college football, 4.3 yards per carry is a pretty low number for a back that's trying to be um, a high, highly coveted NFL prospect. So for Benjamin, uh, the future is, is kind of a question mark for him. He has the ability to command a three-down workhorse role in the NFL. Uh, he, he showed in college at Arizona State with two years as a starter that he can, he can play all three downs, but it remains to be seen whether he's going to bulk up, uh, slim down, get faster, get slower. We, re- we really don't know right now. So he's kind of a question mark going forward, but it's hard to ignore the stats and the receptions. So you kind of have to have him in your top 10 because he does have the ability to be really good or at least solid at the next level in the NFL and play three downs. I think he definitely can play all three downs if he has to where he's at right now, but we'll definitely have to see uh, what teams want him to do. All right, a few extra guys, a few extra running backs to keep your eye on in this class. Are the first one, um, I'm gonna start with like the third, uh, the guy with the least upside. So we'll go least upside to most upside uh, here on the outskirts of the top ten. So we have Lamichael Pirine from Florida. Uh, he was slow in college, uh, four six two, but he caught forty passes this year. So he could go to an NFL team, be like a third down back, and and be decent somewhere. Uh, I don't really know that much about him except that he excelled as a pass catcher. So that's that's honestly really all I have about him. He's just an extra guy outside the rankings. Uh, this isn't an eleven, twelve, thirteen rankings. It's just extra guys to keep an eye on. So uh, don't really consider him in the rankings at all. So moving forward, uh, number two, I guess, or the next guy, not number two, just the next guy because we're not doing rankings with these guys, but uh, Darrington Evans from Appalachian State. So Darrington Evans really put up big numbers at Appalachian State. Uh, He's a small guy, only 203 pounds, but he ran a 4-4-1 at the Combine, so he blazed. He's really fast. Uh, he's electric. He had over 20 catches this year. He had 1,200 yards last year, 1,500 yards this year, 23 touchdowns this year. Um, he had 78 yards and three touchdowns against University of North Carolina, 85 yards against South Carolina, so not bad numbers, but pretty good, decent numbers against uh, some bigger name schools. Uh, Appalachian State doesn't really play that many big name schools, but they do play a few every year. So he had decent games against those teams. Um, 20 catches this year, over 20 catches, is is a great sign uh, that shows he has receiving prowess. Uh, he's small, he's fast, he can catch, and he had really good stats. Um, he just did it in uh, at a lesser conference. Uh, with less comp like uh, less quality competition, I should say. So wherever he goes, uh, I actually like him a lot because wherever he goes, he can kind of be a complement uh, speed back. 
um, almost like a, I guess like a moster to, to try to, try to, to try to compare him. Yeah. He's kind of moster like he's going to come in. Um, his ceiling as a player is like 15 to 20 touches a game where he can kind of explode and get loose. And if you get some blocking, make some big plays, uh, have some long runs, go for some long touchdowns. So that's kind of his ceiling in the NFL. Uh, like I said, he can catch, he's fast, so he really doesn't project to be a full-time starter anywhere. I don't think that he will, but I think if he ends up in the right spot, he could be, he can find himself working his way into like a timeshare where he splits touches with somebody. He could get half the touches in a backfield, uh, be the speed guy and break loose some long runs and be dynamic in the league. I actually like him as a prospect. I think he has a shot to be good in the NFL just because he's fast. Uh, if you're fast in today's NFL, um, it's a good sign. Uh, it's a speed game now. There's a, it's, it's pretty much all about speed now in the NFL. So Darrington Evans, Appalachian State, could be a nice speed threat at the next level. So the guy outside the top 10 with the most upside is Antonio Gibson from Memphis. So the reason he's not in the top 10 is because he's technically a wide receiver. He's coming out as a wide receiver. And I think teams are going to try to get him to switch to running back. But if he is a running back, um, if he does go into the NFL as a running back, he has the upside to be a top five running back in this class, uh, which is bold to say, but he really does. If you follow... Uh, mostly fantasy guys, but some NFL scouts too. Uh, they'll tell you that he actually he actually has that kind of upside to be top five in the class, maybe even top three, top four, uh, if he ends up in the right spot. So at 230 pounds, he ran a 4.39, uh, just like Taylor, just like Barkley, uh, big, fast, uh, pretty crazy size-adjusted athleticism there. So mind-blowing stat right here. This year at Memphis, he had over 1,100 yards from scrimmage, which is rushing and receiving, on only 75 touches, which is insane. Only He only touched the ball 75 times and had over 1,100 yards from scrimmage. So he played some running back, played played some wide receiver, he had 38 catches for 735 yards this year, 19 yards per catch, and 33 carries for 369 yards, 11 yards per carry, which are huge numbers, which show in, uh, in that stat about his scrimmage yards and his touches. So every time he touched the ball, he made a big play happen, whether it be rushing or receiving. Um, I think he's a solid receiver, but if he does switch to running back, uh, he could be lethal for any team. Uh, four three nine speed at 230 pounds who also can catch. Uh, if someone can turn him into a running back, he, he could be unbelievable, actually. He could be amazing in the NFL. Uh, just with his profile that he has, he could be electric at the next level. He could be a three-down back. Uh, it's all dependent on where he ends up and what that team does with him. But he has top five running back in the class upside. Um, he also returned kicks this year, which is pretty important. So he 
had rushing stats, receiving stats, and kick return stats. So that showed that Memphis wanted to put the ball in his hands no matter what. He's a dynamic playmaker. He makes huge plays happen. And if he can go in the NFL and be a running back and learn the position over his first few years, or maybe even as a rookie late in his rookie year and get some touches at running back, uh, if he moves full-time to running back, he has um, explosive upside, just tremendous upside, could be really, really good in the NFL. So we'll have to see if a team does draft him as a running back. And if they do, there could be some fireworks there with Antonio Gibson from Memphis. So there you have it, the 2020 NFL draft class running back class. Uh, it's my top 10 rankings, a little breakdown. Uh, by no means do I know everything or do I have perfect rankings or anything like that. This is just me getting my thoughts out there, uh, using facts, using stats. Like I said, this is objective. This is not who my favorites are. This is who I think the best guys in the class are with some sort of ranking system to it. Um, it's an overview of most of the guys in the class uh, just to give everybody out there some general info on the running backs this year. With just over a week away until the draft, I just wanted to give a nice overview of the running backs and give a continuation of the wide receiver draft class podcast that I did a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. If you didn't see that one, please check that one out. Uh, thank you for listening. Please share, please give a rating on Apple Podcast if you can. Share it with everybody you know. Uh, let's get this thing out there. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please message me, call me, text me, whatever. Uh, just let me know. Pick a topic, and you can come on. I'll do a podcast almost any time, so just let me know if you want to be on the podcast. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the NFL Draft.